the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 123, The Sesame Street Show, from uh, October 8th, 2007. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton, here with John Braun. Hi, John. How are you today? Dave, I'm so excited. Today's a double holiday. Double holiday? Why do you say that? So I get a triple. Well, it's not only uh, Columbus Day here in the U.S., right. um, but it's also a Canadian Thanksgiving, as I found out from my Canadian colleagues at work. Fascinating. So we have at least a double holiday, which I, I think is just a, a... Okay. Hi, Canada. There you go. <laughs> Thanks Hi, for being there. And so why do you why why were you saying you triple holiday or something or just double holiday? Well, I'm I'm thinking I should get paid at least triple. Oh, I see what you're saying. A, but working on a double holiday should get triple pay. Right. I that sounds interesting. <laughs> uh anyway, uh so yeah, the this show we've actually got a lot of great stuff in uh, in tonight's show. It's actually really I'm nice. Sick, actually, and I'm I'm sure you are too because man, that was just terrible last week traveling. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, it weren't we? Yeah, yeah, that whole trip, Austin. It was actually great. We set up our new office down in Austin. Things went really, really well. We, we've got a great spot for the team down there. I, I couldn't be happier. It, this office building's really cool. In addition to being in an office with some other Web 2.0 companies, there's a couple of uh, massage therapists, a couple of, of psychotherapists, uh-huh. and then uh, uh, the 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 band uh, Fastball actually rehearses in that building downstairs and uh and every wednesday the first wednesday of every month they do a uh uh like a wednesday night mixer where they you know people bring chips and drinks and you just kind of hang out in the lobby and joe king carrasco uh austin legend actually played oh so they're meeting your musical psychological and physiological needs i mean i mean that's just it doesn't get any better than that and your advertising needs now with uh with backbeat media being there so it just doesn't get any better than that (laughs) Uh, so yeah, we, it's nice to be back in the swing of things here. So let's get, uh, let's get right to it and, and see if, see if the, uh, if technology will let me read Neil's email here. Uh, although, you know, before I go into this, I, I did want to mention, you know, you can get the show notes, of course, at MacGeekGab.com. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com is the best email address to use. Sending email individually to me or John directly. Well, while certainly valid if you have something not for the show, uh, isn't the best place. If you send me an email for the show, John doesn't see it. So John isn't aware of, of your question and can't help out and can't prep for the show. So really, please do send, send a feedback at MacGeekGab.com. It's uh it's the right, it, it's the right thing to do. Wouldn't that, isn't that Wilford Brimley would say that, right? <laughs> oh, uh, Neil. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> for, for very different reasons, and Neil Jones, uh, Neil, uh, Neil writes, my LaCD2 external firewire DVD RW doesn't see discs anymore. When I last burned a disc, it was making a funny noise. So what I'm wondering is, can I pick up an inexpensive drive, internal or external, and put it into the LaCD case? Firewire DVD RW drives are more expensive and a little harder to find. And besides, I kind of want to try swapping it out. Thanks. Uh, so the answer is, yeah, there's there's no reason to buy an external drive. You, you can buy an internal drive. The only difference between an external drive and an internal drive is that the external drive is an internal drive with the case wrapped around it. And you'll have to excuse me. I just finished reading Dr. Seuss to my kids. So uh, so that may 
that may impact my Sam. I am. There you go. <laughs> but but right? Wouldn't you agree, John? I'm with you. The only thing I would check, which may be a concern, is that as as you're getting these higher powered, higher functioning. Uh, drive units like you know going from DVD to DVD RW all the additional protocols we won't go in all of them yep. but you may just want to double check the power requirements of the enclosure um, you know burning I don't think takes you know a huge amount of power we're not talking you know 1.2 gigawatts like uh, you got the reference anyways uh, but still you want to make sure you're not you're not bordering on the uh, maximum power output of the enclosure or the power supply in, in the enclosure, because then the drive may act in weird ways, which these are the problems that people like Dave and I just hate, which are the ones that don't happen all the time. They kind of sort of happen uh, at random times. So that's the only thing I, I, one thing I would suggest in that case. Got it. That makes good sense. Now, well, we also had, um, well, I don't know if this applies, this utility that we uh, kind of came up with here. Yeah. Um, so one of our listeners wrote in, there's something called patchburn.de. I don't think it would be an issue here, though it couldn't hurt. But apparently, so Apple software comes with a certain set of external uh, optical drives that it works with. And, and you can understand the issue here is that you don't want to support every drive in creation because you don't know the capabilities or the reliability, whatever. Um, but Let, there less, is this utility. Less the OS crash like Windows. Yes. Well, well I think... Apple, well, typically, if, if they see it, if, if there's a device that they don't recognize as a valid device, they just don't see it, which is kind of rude. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this utility will patch, uh, apparently, the drivers of the Mac OS so that you, Apple utilities will see more drives than they normally would, which are the ones, you know, I mean, Apple doesn't, you know, develop their own drives. They just have select vendors that they like to work with. Um, so the best bet is to get a drive that conforms to, you know, Apple's choice of, uh, optical drive. And then your Apple utilities will work. Other than that, you can try this patch burn utility and, uh, that'll give you, uh, some more options. There you go. And, and while we're at it, uh, I know Neil is talking about just replacing a DVD RW drive with another DVD RW again, uh, uh, heeding John's concerns about power requirements. Um, there's no reason beyond that that you couldn't take a, an enclosure that say has a cd cdrw drive in it take that drive out go ahead and replace it with a dvd rw drive and and it should work just fine so bear that in mind as you uh as you look through all your old cases and start deciding what to throw away and what to keep those cases can be valuable in fact you could even mount a hard drive in there of course you'd have room on the face because there'd, there'd be an open hole in the faceplate from a CDRW drive. So. Oh, well, duct tape will solve that. That's right, MacGyver. <laughs> All right, let's see uh, what, uh, what David has to ask. I have a, an iPhoto question. I would like to use Aperture to manage my photos and have iPhoto access or share the Aperture library, which is now over 60 gigabytes. I, w I realize that uh, I can have Aperture share the iPhoto library, but then I cannot use the Vault feature within Aperture. I really like Aperture's editing features and Vault backup, um, but really like iPhoto 08 skimming and online printing options. Is there a way to do this? Um, my name is uh, David Fair. All right. Uh, so I, I think there is a way to do this. We did some searching and found... Uh, an article over on O'ReillyNet.com that talks about exa doing exactly this. Now, it's almost a year old, but I think it's still valid. 
uh, you launch Aperture first. It may, obviously, make sure you're, you're running updated versions of everything. Launch Aperture first, then launch iPhoto. In the file menu in iPhoto, you'll see an option called Show Aperture Library. And from there, you should be able to do this. We'll link to this article, and uh, and hopefully that will uh, that will head you down the right path. John, did you have anything to add to this? or No, other than that it's annoying that, you know, multiple apps from the same vendor that are both managing, which I would think are um, photos, yeah. <laughs> would have a little checkbox maybe buried somewhere saying, you know, share photo library among apps. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so it seems a little hiccup probably because, you know, I, I, I guess they're working on getting them in, in sync, especially with the recent uh, introduction. Well, I would imagine, hopefully we would see an integration, you know, between the programs. So you don't have to do this little uh, little hack here. A hokey pokey, as it were. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, moving on to, well, a, a question from the VAP. The VAP. Hey, guys. Thanks for the show. Love it. I'm a recent switcher. Just bought an iMac about a month ago. And I also do a podcast called the Vintage Airstream Podcast at thevap.com, V-A-P.com. Ah. And my first uh, usage was recording the show and then editing it in GarageBand, which I never used before, of course. And I use a Marantz recorder to record my shows uh, over Skype. And then I stuck the uh, the WAV file from the Marantz recorder using you know, USB into the Mac. And then when I went and deleted the file, uh, when I was done editing it off the Marantz recorder, the following week when I started recording the next show, I only had about uh, like 30 minutes left. I didn't know what was going on. Turns out it left a hidden trash folder on the flashcard in the Marantz uh, recorder from the previous show and uh, didn't seem any real way to delete that. I only found it because I put it in my old Windows computer and it saw it and I was able to delete it all there so I could continue the show. So uh, how do I work with flashcards to get everything deleted? You know, I mean, emptying the trash seems kind of drastic because there might be stuff in there from from other projects. So uh, I found the same thing with my digital camera, p- plugging the card into the USB and deleting uh, pictures off it were actually still on the card. There's got to be a way to work with flash, flash drives uh, without leaving stuff on it. All right. Uh, yeah, th- th- there are. In, in fact, y- usually the, uh, th- my, my recommendation with the Marantz unit would be delete the files on the unit. Um, the unit is probably pickier than your Mac when it comes to how and, and why it needs to manage that, that flash card. So uh, unless you have reason to manage it with your Mac, I, I, would, I would defer to managing the drive uh, or the uh, the flash media with your Marantz unit. What, what do you think, John? Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that because I've seen this and actually I had an experience with this a little while ago with um, my prior phone, a Motorola V710, where if you took the, now they I guess they've standardized on a name and actually I have one on the way, a one gigabyte uh, micro SD card for my phone where before I had a 64 megabyte. <laughs> wow. <laughs> They're growing. Um but anyway, so the problem was is that on the older phone, if you took the, the media and put it at the Mac, the Mac 
not known to many, and this is probably a good thing in general, but it would create these invisible directories like a dot .trash or I think a trash or – no, with dot .trash yeah. and a few other things like DS store and you know, things describing the, the structure of the volume and stuff like that, which the Mac needs. And it makes them invisible so most OSs won't get upset. But when you're talking embedded devices and specialized devices like a brand's a, you know, audio player or a, a cell phone, they may say – Oh my gosh, this isn't what I expect. And you know, if if the software doesn't do a very good job of error checking, it'll say, "Oh, I don't know what to do. Let me crash." <laughs> nice. And I've seen this. I, I saw it when you know I was first trying to learn how to transfer things from my older cell phone to the computer. I would put the media in the computer, copy the files, maybe you know, as the listener you know said, delete things, put it back on the phone, and the phone would wake up and lock rock solid. Nice. Dead. Someone did come up with a script that would delete all these invisible files that the Mac would unintentionally, well, no, intentionally place there, but could confuse other OSs. So I, I think this is a, you know, agreeing with what you said is that you should not get too adventurous when you're using the Mac to manage a memory card that is married to another type of device because they will, in all likelihood, have their own very specific and very picky way of uh, deleting and adding and, and other things like that. I, I think a better thing, and I don't know how many devices do this, is where you plug it into the USB port, you plug the device in, and it appears as a drive, which to me is like a higher level where you won't have as much potential for disaster. Actually, I'll, I'll disagree on that last point because that's, pro well, that's probably what he's doing, or I've, I've done this with, with other devices, and as soon as you mount it as a drive, the... the Oh, the, okay. the media player or camera or what have you just acts as a dumb device. Um, so it, it will still inherit the DS store. And if you delete from the finder, the trashes folder, the nice part is with an app like iPhoto, uh, even though it sees it that way, it will still iPhoto knows not to move it to the trash. It knows if you tell me to delete this stuff, I will delete it, you know, for good from the, uh, from the camera without having to go through that, that hokey pokey. So, mm hmm. Our first sponsor for tonight is Smile on My Mac with PDF Pen. Now, PDF Pen is an application that allows you to manipulate PDF files in many different ways. Uh, I use it all the time. You've heard me say this. If I need to sign a fax, I have a copy of my signature scanned. I will take the, uh, the, the fax, so paste my signature in, save it as a PDF, and then I can send it back out. I can refax it if I want, but I don't have to print it. Works great. Uh, if you've got multiple PDFs and you need to stitch them all together, PDF pen is the way to go. You can actually pick and choose pages from different PDFs, pull them all together into one document, delete the ones you don't want, keep the ones you do, reorder things, good to go. Uh, PDF pen, very, very flexible. It's, uh, it, it, it's an app that I probably use on a regular basis. Uh, more, certainly more than two or three times a week. Uh, I always wind up having it open PDF pen available from smileonmymac.com for forty nine ninety five, and, uh, well worth going to check out the trial. And if you use it, go ahead and buy it and support them. And that's a, that's a good thing all the way around smileonmymac.com. And with that, we'll move on to Todd and, uh, he's got a tip first and then a, uh, a question second. Gentlemen, uh, this is Todd from Decatur, Illinois. Uh, Long-time listener, second-time caller. Last time I was Todd from Columbia. Um, I got a smart aleck comment, a tip, and then a question. Uh, 
Last time I called in, you asked me if uh, I would give uh, my firstborn for the uh, answer to the question, but <laughs> I have to warn you, he's older than a year, so the warranty has run out. So, you know, take your chances. Um, the tip, uh, listening to show 120, uh, I've run into the same problem with a USB printer attached to an iMac upstairs and then uh, over a wireless network when we're downstairs trying to uh, access the printer from our uh, laptop. What I do, and this uh, takes a little bit of uh, forethought, is uh, I just go ahead and mount uh, the iMac from upstairs as a volume on my desktop on the uh, on our uh, MacBook, and uh, then it won't uh, go away. It won't go to sleep. Uh, but, yeah, of course, you have to remember to do that while the... Uh, the uh, printer that's hooked up to, or the computer hooked up to the printer is uh, still awake. So, again, it takes a little forethought. But uh, this kind of leads me into my question. All right, let's let's talk about this little tip here, and then uh, and then we'll answer the question. So, mm. uh, yeah, in fact, I I I ran into this in a backwards scenario. Uh, the machine up here in the studio normally sits asleep. Uh, occasionally I'll mount the drive to open. We keep some of our accounting data on here because Lisa works up here during the day. And, uh, and I keep wondering, why won't that computer go to sleep? And it's like, well, all of a sudden I realize, ah, I've got a drive or a, a share mounted downstairs. And so that's why it's staying, staying awake. And, uh, and that certainly would work. I, obviously, you know, I, I think John, you had some concerns about the energy efficientness of it, but, uh, yeah, there you go. Any anything else to add to that before we uh, before we move on? <laughs> well, just I mean, if you're running a machine, but you don't need to. I mean, I I would much prefer a uh, rather than using a computer as a you know print server that you just buy a dedicated print server because I could there you go. almost guarantee that it's going to use a few less watts than a computer. But yeah, mm. yeah. All right, let's uh, let's see what Todd's question is. I have an external hard drive, uh, FireWire, um, 250 gigs, I think, but that's not important. Uh, I have that hooked up to the iMac upstairs, and so when I mount the, the, uh, the uh, volume on the uh, laptop, I, and you, know, you can run through and access all the files, no problem, but I was curious if there's a way to uh, leave the external hard drive attached to the iMac and be able to access it from downstairs. Uh, follow me so far? Uh, the, the reason I'm asking is because I'm in a situation where uh, we're ordering some Final Cut Pro for uh, my students, but the lab that they're in is really quite under, uh, under hard drive space. Is that a, can I make that into a word? Sure. Okay, sure I did. Anyway, uh, this is incredibly long, I just realized. and. Uh, so uh, we're looking to add some space to this lab, and I thought maybe that would be one solution is to add uh, a whole bunch of hard drives somewhere where uh, students couldn't get their uh, grubby little hands on them, uh, but they could still access that space for uh, video editing and such. Uh, any help would be appreciated, um, and I think I've taken up enough of your time. Bye-bye. All right. Uh yeah, yeah. So, so John and I talked through this, and absolutely, if you mount a drive on an external drive on a machine, you can then go ahead and connect to it. With one caveat, you'll see it in the list of shares available to you when you connect via Apple Share. If you are logging in as an administrator, now I'm mm -hmm. guessing that Todd probably doesn't want his students 
connecting over the network uh, with an administrator account and, and able to just see whatever they want to see. Uh, and, and so that, that kind of brought up a, an interesting discussion here. One solution is a piece of software from hornware.com called SharePoints, which allows you to specify what is available to which user over Apple share. And, and that I think would, would really help Todd. And then John, you actually had another uh, actually kind of interesting idea. Yeah, well, I was considering, so one of the protocols, Apple, uh, especially with the Unix roots now, supports a number of protocols, and one of them is FTP. Now, as Dave, I believe, accurately noted when we were kicking this around, FTP, the normal FTP client on the Mac, doesn't... The, the, the finder, isn't, anyway. Isn't that great? Yeah. Through the finder, isn't that great? And it, it really doesn't support two-way communication, but then... What I did is poke around the line, and this is an FTP program that I've had to use on occasion called Crush FTP. It's a FTP uh, server, but what it offers is something called WebDAV, which uh, both Dave and I, I think are familiar with, but it's basically offering a hard drive through a port 80 HTTP-like connection, which is nice because unlike FTP, which gets kind of weird with port requirements and passive and stuff like that. WebDAV is, is fairly straightforward and it's also built into Mac OS X because iDisk, um, last I heard, also uses WebDAV as the protocol for uh, both reading and writing data to the network disk. So that's a uh, another option that we'll, uh, we'll link to. There you go. Uh, all right. Moving on to Tim. I, I, I'm a little confused by this, but we'll, uh, we'll roll. <laughs> guys at MGG. Hey, I love the show. I listen to it every week. Uh, I was just listening to episode 121, and you guys are talking about FireWire Drive and disconnecting it, and, and the guy, uh, I guess, I forget who, but he uh, disconnected his, his FireWire Drive, and now it's not working because he uh, disconnected it while it was doing something. Um, I seem to remember when FireWire first came out that people were actually demonstrating this where you would disconnect the FireWire drive as it was transferring files and it wouldn't do anything. It would just it would just pause. And then you could plug the FireWire drive back into your computer and it would resume uh, transferring the file. And I've seen this uh, being demonstrated. Also, it was even uh, demonstrated where a video was running off a of FireWire drive and it was disconnected, and the video just paused, and then you plugged it back in, and the video resumed. So, what's going on? What happened to FireWire drives to where it was no problem disconnecting it while it was uh, transferring files? Now, it's a big issue. Um, just wondering. I uh, love the show, and uh, I'd like, I, I would love to hear an answer. Uh, I don't really have an answer for this, John. I mean, it, you know, it, what are you talking about? Yeah. Never have I seen uh, any operating system be overly ecstatic about you yanking a, a drive from underneath it. Now, we've all seen where, where OS 10 and, and OS 9 prior and Windows uh, will all complain if you have a drive mounted and you just disconnect it without, you know, in the Mac dragging it to the trash, which dismounts it or in windows using that kooky little device manager, you know, uh, thing where you can tell it, yeah, go ahead and disconnect. Yeah. Uh, so while I'm sure firewire as a spec supports 
streaming and and dropouts and then and then resuming i've never seen the os support it have you john Uh, not uh, not recent os's i mean even even in the past i mean yes you could write your device driver or hardware driver or you know firewire usb whatever driver to be very persistent when something goes away because in theory as long as you remember what you just did and you know what's going to happen next, then data was not, you know, tragically lost in a cache on the disk, in which case, well, you know. <laughs> you could, I mean, just like communication protocols over the modem, I mean, you and I fondly remember, Dave, where over the modem, if, if a packet was garbled, it would try again and try again. But that was, you know, orders of magnitude slower than memory or a hard drive, which is, oh, wow. you know, a pretty zippy device. I mean, we're talking in, you know, milliseconds or, or less of response time. So when something bad happens, it's usually pretty, you know, vocal very quickly about it, like, you know, Mac OS, which says, you disconnected the drive, dum-dum. Yeah. Uh, please don't do that again which is still one of my pet peeves. Uh, we had a discussion about this before. It, it shouldn't happen, but it does, but it would re- require a you know, major rewrite of all hardware drivers to right. accommodate my little peeve there. So we'll, we'll wait. Okay. <laughs> uh, you can keep peeve as a pet for a while. On that, but I, I think I do recall seeing a, a very quickly an old... Uh, Apple was demoing a big network login type of deal at one of the prior Mac worlds or a Mac show where they showed a big array of, of screens hooked up. And I, and I think they did try to demonstrate that the network connection was, you know, robust. They would pull the plug out and everything would stop and then they plug it back in. So in theory, that's, uh, and I think this is more wishful thinking that that's the way things should work. And, no, and I think to I, a certain extent, networking, yeah. Yeah, networking, I've seen this, of course. Yeah, and we've all seen it. You know, you're watching a stream of something, and then for whatever reason, the stream gets interrupted. Even if your network connection is still good, the stream gets, you know, garbled or whatever, and it pauses and then resumes. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I, I can see where this where this came from here, but I've never seen it with it. It's not totally crazy. Yeah, it's not <laughs> totally crazy. That's right. But yeah. we got a ways to go until, yeah, those catastrophes can be averted. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, ben has, a, has an interesting question that, that leads, that I think will lead into some strange discussions. So. Hey, guys. First time caller. My name's Ben. Um, I've got... A new iPod Classic. It's an 80 gig, um, and I'm a recent switcher. Um, I also just bought one of the new iMacs. I want. I enjoyed looking at all my photos on the iMac. I like setting up the um, the slideshow to where I can listen to a particular tune and watch watch my photos um, drift by. Anyway, um, one of the features, uh, I guess not a feature, but one of the things that that worked when I had the iPod synced up to my laptop, a PC laptop, um, was that uh, the photos were organized in in the folders um, on my iPod. And now that I have synced it up with um, my new iMac and all my photos are in iPhoto, um, they all show up together and they're not separated out. So if I want to look at my photos, I have to look at them all together um, instead of in, in separate um, categories. Why don't events in my iPhoto uh, transfer directly to the iPod so that I can look at it that way? I think it's a simpler question um, <laughs> than I made it out to be. Uh, a little bit long-winded here, but anyway, um, you can reach All right, we'll, uh, we'll reach you this way. 
yeah. So, so the new iPhoto supports events where you can tie uh, pictures together with uh, with events. The the iPod only syncs pl- uh, pl- playlists, albums, right? So what you sh- uh-huh. what you do is you create a smart album based on the event that you want to break out. And, and there you go. Then, then you've got that album synced to the iPod. And I think that's just, I, I mean, it's obviously a limitation of, of the way the iPod sync happens. They, uh, they, they either haven't added by oversight the events or by choice uh, haven't added the events to the syncability of the iPod. But, but I think a smart album would be the answer here. And, uh, and that should do it. You got any thoughts on that, John? Weird. Uh, I, he- I heard there's some many riots over the uh, sinking of uh, some other iPods to uh, calendars and stuff. You, you may have heard of this, but no, I, n- I know of no riots. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. Is there, is there uh, maybe this is the topic for future discussion, but no, I d- don't know of any, any riots Perhaps. happening. No, there was something on the, uh, the, the, the new iPod touch where apparently it doesn't have full, oh. full duplex, uh, calendar syncing right so, uh, it, well it's effectively an ipod right the the ipod touch is no different from any other ipod in that it, i on on any of my ipods i can read my iCal calendars but i cannot change them i can't add anything to them i can't delete i can't modify the ipod touch is no different the only reason people are in an uproar is because the iPod touch shares the same form factor as the iphone phone, which lets you bingo do. Yeah, these things. So, so, but, but still, people are, yeah, uh, yeah, people, yeah, you know, people, it, it's people be- are, <laughs> yeah, go, yeah, it's because it's because it's got Safari on it, right? That that's the thing that that's the thing that makes people, oh, and the fact that it looks like an iPhone at first blush, right? It, that that's and, the thing that makes people make people think that wow, it should have mail and all this other stuff. No, 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 it's an iPod. You know, think about it that way, and then it all makes sense. <laughs> But then I saw, all right, all right, so people, all right, people, people, all right, lawsuits, you got to stop, okay? The, 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 the iPhone not having a replaceable battery, just deal with it. Uh, the iPhone price going down, another lawsuit, deal with it. And uh, the iPhone getting bricked when you apply unauthorized changes to the device and then an Apple software update bricks it, deal with it. You know, it's all these, like, problems that aren't really problems unless you do something bad. Yeah. That's right. You know what I'm saying? I, I do. <laughs> okay, I just mini rant. Saying. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> but hey, Apple's a, Apple's a, you know, hey, they, they got some money. <laughs> uh, yeah. Stock's closing in on 170. Whew, 170? Oh my gosh. Almost. No, it's like, it closed today at what, 167, almost 168. So. But that, you see the frequency of lawsuits increasing. You've noticed this. Of course. They, they've got <laughs> products that are popular. People are going to scream and yell. Yep. Our second sponsor for today's show is Audible, available at audible.com slash MacGeekGab. Going to that link gets you a 14-day free trial of Audible Listener Gold and one free download. Anything you download from audible.com, you can listen to on your computer, your iPod, your Trio. You can burn to CD. You can even listen to it on a Windows machine if you have to. Uh, Books that they have there, they've got, I think, almost 40,000 titles now. Uh, How to Survive a Robot Uprising, The Search, How Google and Its Rivals Rewrote the Rules of Business and Transformed Our Culture, I Was, How I Invented the Personal Computer and Had Fun Along the Way, unabridged by, of course, the Waz himself. Stephen Levy's The Perfect Thing, How the iPod Shuffles Commerce, Culture, and Coolness, and Alan Joy... 
There it is. Alan Deutschman's The Second Coming of Steve Jobs, all available at audible.com slash MacGeekGab. That's where you go not only to support the show, but to get your one free download. It's that link that you have to use, audible.com slash MacGeekGab. And with that, we move on to Steve. Steve had a, an interesting question that kind of, well, it digs into the Unix roots here in OS X. He writes, I would like to enable change application focus on mouse over. That may not be the proper terminology, but you should get the gist of it. Basically, when I move my mouse over a window, I'd like the focus to change to that window rather than having to click on it. Also, I've Googled this to no avail. Can you help? We did. We did a little Googling, too. And uh, and really what I did was I went to MacUpdate.com and looked for uh, mouse focus because I believe that's what the the uh, Unix people called it uh, back in the day. Yes. Okay. And and I found and I it, don't like it, but go no. on. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't like it. It's very, very well. If you've gotten used to the paradigm of being able to move your mouse wherever you want and not having the screen jump to life, uh, then you won't like this. But but there was a, a, a little extension for OS nine that would let you do this if you if you liked. And and there is something for OS 10 called Mondo Mouse from AtomicBird.com. And, uh, and, and this is what it does. It, uh, it, among many, many other things, this Mondo mouse goes and lets you do it. It's 15 bucks. Uh, I'm not sure if there's something else available for OS 10 that's, uh, that, that allows you to do mouse focus for free, or even perhaps something in, in the aqua interface itself, that there's some toggle hidden that you can flip. Uh, if anybody knows, let us know, but that's, uh, that's Mondo uh, mouse. I just got to say, I, Oh no, I mean, it, to me, it, it now some early, you know, GUI pioneers may be into that, but but to me, you know, uh, Apple Tab is the way to go between applications, and whatever app is frontmost, yeah, uh, it just makes me <laughs> it makes my skin crawl thinking of that mode of operation because it'd be so be responsive but <laughs> it's it's responsive i've I, I i used it on a couple of sun machines i think i think sun okay d- did that so uh i think I, yeah same here I, I i think uh yeah and i guess you get used to it but uh, too responsive for my taste yeah but anyways yeah all right uh so marcus writes in and marcus has uh, he, he mentioned uh, referred back to what two episodes ago where john talked about imovie 08 not installing on oh, your 12 inch oh. power book because you have insufficient hardware right and, uh, wait uh, yes yeah. it's true apple made it though it's nice yeah well i have insufficient hardware here on my uh, mirror door dual g4 i believe it i think it did the same thing and insufficient so, sounds so <sighs> decisive though just uh, it's marketing, uh, man. Mature. They, they want you to buy a new machine. New machine. But mature hardware. No, yes, mature. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, aging, long in the tooth. Uh, <laughs> and and so Marcus's G4 tower falls into the same category, and he found a fix out there. And essentially, and and we'll link to the the website. It's at techsanity.com, T-E-K sanity.com. Uh, but there's a, a deeper link that that uh, we're linking to, and. Essentially, what you're doing is is tricking the installer. You go ahead and tell it uh, change something from uh, false to true, and and then all of a sudden it, it'll work. And and Marcus says uh, I successfully successfully performed this tweak, and iMovie runs good but not great on my dual 1.42 gigahertz G4. I edit 720 by 576 PAL DV and H.264 without exhausting the CPU. Skimming the timeline is quite smooth. 
However, it takes overnight to export a project. So your previous version of iMovie does not get replaced, but placed in a folder named iMovie previous version. So you can alternate back and forth between both versions and get to experience the latest and greatest if you like. So thank you very much, Marcus. This uh, this all falls into the cool stuff we found category. But this is Apple's looking out for you. That's why they did this. They didn't want you to suffer. Really? I guess they didn't want him to suffer the you know overnight export of a video file. Yeah, I'm sure they just made a made a call and said to heck. With but it. I understand what Apple's doing uh, definitely. So they they probably have a room full of Macs and they're like. You know, the experience on this older model is just not that great. Let's tell the installer to just not even think about it. Yeah. Though some people, like Marcus, would be happy with some of the features. But and, uh, and I, I think, think that's I see what fine. Yeah. And that way, Apple's not liable to support this for Marcus when he calls up and says, you know, I'm running it on a dual G4 and uh, it's being really whoa, whoa, sluggish. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Buy a, new, buy a new Mac. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's, they put you in that queue. They put you in that queue. Yeah. Oh, you want to talk to the Apple store. You called the wrong number. <laughs> uh, in, we started talking about ways of, of accessing uh, Macs from remote again. And one thing we missed was a service called logmein.com. When we talked about this, what, back in show 56, I think, uh, we... Log me in was not an option for the Mac. You could use it via the web interface to connect to a Windows machine, but the Mac couldn't be the host. That has changed. And and Lyle and and Matthias, among many others, wrote in and told us, yeah, this is this is now an option on the Mac. And I've actually used it. It it works very well. You you install a client on your Mac that uh, that then connects to the log me in server. And I'll tell you, this thing pierces firewalls really really well. It lets huh. you, it, yeah, I've used it with Windows clients uh, in the past. I don't have, uh, don't do a whole lot of that anymore, but, uh, but used it in the past. I use it with my dad's machine. I, I, and I've used it to connect to my own Macs from remote. So logmein.com is, is an awesome, awesome solution. And you can do it with one machine, excuse me, for free. So there you go. Nice. I, uh, you know, I have my, uh, my iMac G5 over at the house, John, the 20 inch iMac G5 first gen. And lately I'd been running some test software on it and, uh, and we'll leave it at that. And it started misbehaving. It would not sleep. It would, as soon as it went to sleep, it would just shut down. And uh, I thought, well, maybe this is this test software I'm running. And, and so, okay. Yeah. Fine. I think you, you got to send me a copy of this uh, test software. You're no, 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 no. So, no. so any, anyway, uh, <laughs> then one day it just wouldn't turn on. I thought, oh, this isn't good. And so I tried all kinds of things and it just wouldn't turn on. And Michael Johnston and I started talking about it. Michael Johnston of iPhone Alley, of course. Uh, And of course, your your AAC conversion guru. uh, He's the one that's turned this show into extra. Thank you. And so he and I were hunting around about it. And I forget which one of us stumbled onto it. But there's the iMac G5 repair extension program that deals with this exact issue. And. I never I I have so few Mac desktops that I've, I've I don't think in recent years I've ever taken a desktop in for or had need to take a desktop in for repair with laptops. It, you just mail it in. The box shows up. You pack it in the box. Off it goes. And so the iMac, they're like, oh, no, no, you can't do that. That that would cost us a fortune. So uh, it's covered. I have Apple Care on it, but it would have been covered anyway because of this problem. There's a problem with the power supply. 
And so huh. they said, you got to bring it into the Apple store. Well, the closest Apple store for me is either somewhere in Massachusetts or in, in Nashua. And awesome. it's, it is. yeah, it's an hour, yeah. hour plus. I didn't want to do that. So I started looking at, uh, at Apple service, Apple authorized Apple service specialists or whatever it is and found one right here in Portsmouth called Mac edge. These guys were top notch. And I just wanted to say they, they aren't paying me to do this. There, there's no quid pro quo here. I just wanted to say I, as someone who went into this process being a snob thinking, gosh, you know, I'd much rather take it to the Apple store than one of these specialists. I got to say, I, I was so pleased with the way these guys handled the repair. They did everything they could to turn it around quickly for me. Uh, and they, and at that point they didn't know who I was. I, I didn't, you know, drop the, I'm Dave from TMO. Uh, we talked about that when I went and picked it up. Does that work? I don't know if it would have or not. I, uh, <laughs> maybe it would. I don't, maybe I've tried it. It doesn't work. Doesn't I say work I'm Dave from TMO when it doesn't. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. That's uh, that's only when they're putting the cuffs on you and stuffing you in the back of the car though. Right. Uh, so, so, I, and we talked and I, you know, I introduced myself when I went and picked it up. Lisa actually dropped the iMac off while I was traveling last week. So that, that's why I didn't get to meet him when I dropped it off. But, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, they, they treated me at, at least at that point, like I was any other customer and, uh, and did a fantastic job. I, I highly recommend them and, and really any Apple specialist, uh, you know, it's certainly worth checking them out. I'm sure there's some that might not be oh, sure. quite as good, but but these guys are fantastic. And, and I just wanted to say, you know, don't necessarily be a snob about this stuff. There's no reason not to, to visit one of these guys. Uh, oh, no, no. So. I'd agree with you. Same here. If, if you go to Apple and uh, I'll pick up the link, but I have to do this in the past with coworkers where they're like, where do I go? And I'm like, well, there's the Apple store and, you know, uh, Farmington and New York City, and they're like, I don't want to do that. But there, there are certainly many, you know, authorized Apple uh, repair shops which have access to the parts, and you know, they get the bulletins telling them what to do. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm with you because, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in the same situation. I'm kind of a drive from a authorized Apple service center, and I've, I've, you know, done this even for my portable. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, you want to talk about your floppy thing, John? Uh, <laughs> I guess now you have to, don't you? Yeah. So anyway, so a coworker, um, and just a little success story here. So a coworker gave me a floppy drive saying, uh, and hi, Austin. <laughs> yes, I solved the problem, which uh, he doesn't know yet, but he will by the time he hears this. So he gave me a floppy. Yes, a floppy. 1.4 megabyte. Okay. Three and a half inch. One of uh, Apple was one of the pioneers of this format, or maybe not that capacity, but the, you know, four hundred K. I think it was Dave, uh, the first Mac. Four hundred uh, was one of the first computers. And eight hundred, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, he gave me a floppy, and he's like, "Oh, you know, I'm having problems reading this." I'm like, "Oh, well, that's kind of weird. Let's, uh, you know, plug it in." So he gave me the external drive. I think it was a Mac Alley uh, USB, uh, probably one one or one zero uh, external drive. So. Now, the weird thing, and, and maybe you can't really figure this out, Dave, but some computers I would plug it into, and so one was G5, another was G4. Okay. Some machines, it would immediately say, I don't recognize this disk, eject or ignore. Other computers, right. which were around the same time frame, like a G5 at work, plugged it in, and it's like, okay, it was grinding the drive a bit, and finally it eventually mounted the disk, but it didn't show anything. 
it showed the disk, it showed the volume name of the, of the floppy, but it showed no files. Um, it showed some space used, which was, hmm, well, that's kind of interesting. Huh. So, uh, and also if I ran disutility, disutility would say master directory block damage. I'm like, ah, well, okay. <laughs> well, I'll fix it. And it's like, oh, sorry, can't fix it. Oh, great. Huh. Well, fortunately, and so, you know, we, we have a, a few utilities Dave and I use to, uh, you know, try to recover things. And in this case, the winner is Data Rescue 2 for ProSoft. Hey. It was able to. Uh, so actually what I did was something beforehand with Drive Genius, also from ProSoft, where I ran a sector editor. I'm like, you know, I can't believe that all the files in this disk are totally destroyed. There has to be something going on. You know, I would hear the drive grinding and moving the head. So I'm like, there has to be something going on here. And uh, my best guess is the directory block on the drive got clobbered due to some sort of mishap, which is like the worst place on the drive. But fortunately, things like Data Rescue can kind of look around on the disk. And when I ran a sector editor, which is, uh, for those who don't know, a utility that lets you look at what's on a disk block per block. And when I started seeing data that made sense, like, you know, parts of a text document and stuff I could read, I'm like, okay, all is not lost. So fortunately, Data Rescue is smart enough to look at the 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 media and find hints as to what can make up a file and fortunately it was able to totally recover oddly enough the the files were in a trash or multiple trash folders that was the weird Got thing it. Huh. um it recovered in one folder called trash and another called trashes so apparently some of these recovered files and there were others elsewhere on the disk where some of them were in the trash which uh you know that's another thing we were talking about this before if uh, the trash is specific to a disk. So if you put in a disk, remember this. Right. When you put in a disk, the trash on that disk is the trash at the moment. Once you eject that disk or get rid of it, Goes away. the trash on that computer will not show those trash files anymore because per disk, trash is not a global thing, which is can right. be kind of weird. It's, but an, it's an aggregate of all the disks that are, that are plugged in or, or active. Currently. Exactly. So, so to uh, to kind of wrap that up, the, you you were able to use a piece of software that was conceived, developed, and released to fix a medium that had been uh, conceived, developed, released, and retired long before uh-huh. <laughs> anything happened with that uh, with that piece of software. I think that that's actually pretty cool. I, 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 well, it's cool. It, it was, and actually, it was funny because some of the machines that initially barfed on the disk would say. This is FAT16. The the, oh, the wow. machines that worked said, oh, it's Mac OS Standard, which is a older school floppy-based uh, type of disk formatting. I like it. Yeah. I so like it. You, I think you like ProSoft, Dave. I like ProSoft. Oh, yeah. and, and Data Rescue pulled through and, and pulled these files from the brink of death. <laughs> Interesting. That's good. That's, uh, that, that's, that's good to hear. That's good to know. All right. Uh, so next week's show, John, you and I will have to talk offline here about uh, about scheduling because next week's show is going to be late. I am, uh, as you all know, uh, flying to San Jose on Saturday to play uh, to play uh, with Paul Kent of IDG. It's his it's it's a monumental birthday for him. And uh, so I'm playing at the King's Head Pub with him in downtown Campbell on Saturday night. It uh, should be a fun show. He's uh, he's put together a bunch of his favorite musicians, and we're all kind of sitting in throughout the night. So, should be a should be a blast, and uh, and we'd love to see you there. So, 
Come on down, but that's going to put me late. I'm actually taking the red eye home next Monday oh. night. Yeah. Oh, no. But it's only one flight. I'm not doing the three-flight fiasco that you did. <laughs> okay. but, uh, but still, it's going to screw up the show. I don't know what the... Uh, I imagine we've got a backlog of questions here, so we'll we'll address your questions. Send them in to MacGeekGab.com. Uh, feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Skype them to MacGeekGab. And, of course, dial... What's the number, John? 206-666-GEEK. That's right, 4335. You've downloaded this show from Cashfly Hosting, where you get all of the Mac Geek Gab podcasts. The podcast marketplace this month includes the A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, one free download from Audible, as long as you go to audible.com slash MacGeekGab, and PDF Pen from SmileOnMyMac.com. And, uh, oh, hey, go check out DealsOnTheWeb.com. We added, finally... Uh, Steven Swift, I told you we brought on a new programmer recently. Ah. He, we added images to all of the deals and everything. It's so awesome. I am so psyched. Very it's nice. like got a nice facelift. Everything looks really good. It's gooey and sticky, and I like it. It's it's excellent. So go check that out. We, we launched that today. Go. Uh, I'm very happy about that. Uh, I think that's it. I guess it's uh, it's time to uh, to rock this boat. I'm, I'm going to celebrate uh, Canadian Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, thanks, John. What? I don't know. It just it sounded like the right thing to say. You have I anything else to turkeys. add? Do you, you think they? Do you think they eat tofurkey? Oh, this can. What about turducken? <laughs> now, if you're a turducken running around in the woods this time of year, there's one thing you don't want to do. It's kind of hard, but don't get caught. Made up.